Today on Sagittarian Matters, advice on magic, dog horoscopes, separation anxiety, creativity, and more with very special guests, Brand Taylor and Kaya Wilson. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Los Angeles, California. Listeners, today I present a very special episode of the podcast that we recorded as part of a fundraising effort for X-Ray FM, a community radio station in Portland, Oregon. This originally aired live on X-Ray FM, and we had a lot more moments where I paused and asked people for money. Those moments have been weeded out of this episode or edited out for you, but I wanted you to hear the advice that Brand Taylor from Magic Hour Astrology and Kaya Wilson from Dog Speed Training gave to our listeners. Speaking of X-Ray FM, if you want to support them, their website is xray.fm and producer Chris Sutton, who you know from this very podcast, has a radio show every Tuesday night from 10 to 11 p.m. It's called Record Lections, and it's a weekly zine where DJ Hal Books attempts to extrapolate and personalize vinyl gems that have influenced him as a writer, producer, and devotee of music. So go check it out. In other news, please go buy a 2022 anonymous fuzzball calendar at NicoleJGeorges.com. And there are still a couple spots available in my December comics workshop with the Fine Arts Work Center. And lastly, I'm doing a free self-care comics workshop November 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time through the Sequential Arts Workshop. You can find all these things through my Instagram page, Nicole J. Georges, or by Googling, or uh, I guess that's it. So anyway, listeners, have a great week, and I hope you enjoy this super great sounding episode with Brand Taylor, Kai Wilson, and myself giving advice about dog training, magic, creativity, and more. Woohoo! Welcome, Brand. Very excited to be here. Okay, we've had the same birthday for our whole lives. It's true. We're going to offer you a lot of Sagittarian advice. Halfway through the show, a Capricorn is going to join us to add a Capricorn uh, take on some dog advice. Fran, are you ready to take it away? I am ready. I, I love this fall day. I love being here with you. I love being on X-Ray FM. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Dear Sagittarian Matters, I love the big momentum witchery and all things witchcraft has in the dominant culture, but at the same time, it feels like it could be used to spiritually bypass racism, ableism, white supremacy, and other forms of harm, not to mention cultural appropriation of specific rituals, beliefs, and practices. My question is this, how can one center, how can one practice witchiness from an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, anti-colonialist, abolitionist center signed somewhere in the hedges? Wow. This question was made for you. It really was. Now, somewhere in the hedges, I relate. Let me tell you. Not, I, I really feel like every baby witch out there has bought some Palo Santo, has bought the white sage, has done the things, has read the books, 
And, you know, it comes to find out a lot of white people, that's not their lineage. So it's hard when we associate magic with things that are not really, you know, we can't really relate to the same way because they're not of our culture. They're not of our history. And we don't really understand actually magically and spiritually how, um, how to use them properly or what they actually really mean. And you know what? That is okay. And I hear this question and I think where this, this queerant is coming from is a super amazing place. I want to just congratulate them for wanting to do this in the fucking first place. And I also want to say that it is a big undertaking because a lot of the spiritual community, a lot of the new age, um, woo, magical, you know, witchcraft type community is still really rooted in a way of thinking that doesn't honor what is the actual reality for a lot of people in this country specifically and all around the world and really does steal, borrow, take, etc., from other cultures without giving proper credit or without really knowing what they're doing. So my advice to you is really that you think about who you are as a witch, where you come from. And the first way to do any sort of like anti-racist or anti-abolitionist type work for yourself is to figure out who you are, what your lineage is. For instance, I'm of Northern European lineage, mostly Irish, some German, some Finnish. So for me, thinking about those lineages of my ancestors, working with lineages that align with me, working with plants, working with different type of um, histories, traditions, um, holidays that resonate with deities that resonate with me and my lineage is one way for me to actually stay in alignment with myself and also, um, you know, not be part of that um, toxic culture that is taking and borrowing, etc. Okay, Bran, you know, have you ever seen that meme where someone's like, maybe it's I don't know, some kind of like, maybe it's manifestation, maybe it's white privilege. Yeah. So how do people... Um, you know, if they're believing in witchery, if they want to commute, you know, have a spiritual sort of understanding and want to use witchcraft, how can they be sure to be cognizant of the issues this querent brought up? Yeah, as I mean, they're doing their practice. Absolutely, great question and great point. I also think that um, you know, I'm I'm coming from a white person's perspective, so this is I'm talking to my fellow white people, but I would really inquire a lot of times where. Like, for instance, if people are like, hey, you know, I just asked, believe, received my, you know, amazing car or my amazing this. And to really kind of um, push back against those things and investigate, hey, I know you said this magic was actually the reason why you did X, Y, and Z or, or a spell led you to that. Can you tell me more about that? And then as white people, it's our job to educate other white people around like, oh, actually, there's a lot of white privilege in that or there's a lot of access in that that actually enabled you to get this X, Y, and Z. And it wasn't just the manifestation. That's great. We all, manifestation is an ama amazing tool, but it's not the full picture. And we're not all starting from the same um, ground level here. So being sure that you are both inquiring for yourself, what you bring to the table, and then helping other people to see the full picture. And, you know, honestly, a part of it too, with cultural appropriation on the same vein is, um, making sure that when you see that in the world, especially in, well, in any way, but especially with other people that you see in a magical lens, 
to really, you know, uh, educate or at least talk to them about it and come from a place of, hey, did you know, you know, I spirit animal kind of comes to my to my brain. Did you know that that's actually like not not a very number one culturally sensitive or appropriate thing to be talking about as a white person? We don't really know what that means. That's not really part of our lineage. We all love animals. We all can appreciate animals for a magical lens, but you know, giving it a little bit more of uh, an educational place to come from mm-hmm. um, with love and with respect, I think is what we, what we can do. Brian, I think of you as a radical ecologist. Oh, I love that. When I, I think do. about your practice and your love and communication with trees and your deep reverence for every piece of earth around you, I just want you to know, I think of you as like a radical ecologist, which is not included in a lot of talk about witchcraft. I know, you know, I think like Annie Sprinkle kind of went on that zone, mm-hmm. but I will say, I, I mean, I, when I see Mount St. Helens, which is, you know, Lewitt is also one of her other names or La Uleta, which is also another one of her indigenous names. But I, I mean, I literally weep. I love her so much. I love these mountains. I love these trees. This land is super beautiful. I'm very grateful to live on this as a settler and yeah. Are you ready for another advice question? I can't wait. All right. Dear Sagittarius Matters, do you have any advice for a secret writer slash artist, me, just finally starting to pursue publishing and trying to establish myself as an emerging writer and poet at 38, especially as a queer, anti-capitalist, disabled college dropout? Lots of the sales pitchy parts of the art and publishing world feel very antithetical to the process and intent behind my work. I'm wondering how you navigate these types of issues. For now, I'm focusing on meeting my own standards and getting inspiration from peers and planning a project. I'll self-publish with a friend who has a small press, submitting to a handful of journals and lit mags I like. But I guess I'm curious more about sustainability and ethics and just whatever you have to say on the subject. Sorry, this is long. Thank you. Love your work and your cute dog. Ponyo's under the bed right now in the Sagittarius Matter Social Distancing Studios. Signed, Emerging in Encino. I think this is like a multi-part question. This is like, I feel like somebody who's over the hill to be starting a new thing. How do I maintain my integrity and promote it and do it and take myself seriously? There's all this, there's all this stuff in the world that's like, oh, if you're over the age of 23, you're over the hill. It's too late for you. You know, it's just kind of like you needed to be on the Beyonce track of like having a show mom kind of like pushing you on the stage at like age five in a homemade costume. And that's just not true. You get so many acts in your life. You could take up tap dancing at, you know, right now and, and just express yourself artistically that way. So I don't think it's, I don't think, I know that you feel like a late bloomer, but honestly, in the long, in the long arc of your life, as, as long as I hope your life is, this is nothing. 38 is like nothing. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people that had kids young, raised kids, and then started a new life at 38. Lisa Congdon, local Portland illustrator, famously didn't become an official artist or think of herself as an artist until how old was she? In her 30s or early 40s? Definitely, yes. She had had a whole other life as a school teacher, and then she decided, I want to commit myself to being an artist. And nobody comes and hits you over the head with a magic wand and says, you're an artist now. You just get to do that for yourself and you do it through the action of making art. And it sounds like you're already making art. So my question that I share with you, Bran, is how do you get comfortable with self-promotion as an artist? Yeah. I, 
I, I, I think that <laughs> you might not. That's the honest, the honest answer is you might not. And the thing that I, I really hear in this question is there's a lot of powerlessness and being an artist, being accepted, you know, getting like the recognition, getting into the places that you want to get into to have your work be seen is really vulnerable. And it takes a lot of faith and there's a lot of powerlessness in those things. All you need to be really doing is showing up in an authentic way. And yes, I am someone who is a Gen X person who literally hates social media and it sucks. I will tell you, it is very hard. And I also know that people like to hear my voice. And when I do share it, I get people who, you know, are telling me, thank you for saying these things or thanks for sharing your information or your art. And, you know, I try to just take those and put them in the bank when I need them and try to really pull them out when I'm feeling like shit or feeling I don't want to be doing these things. Nobody, you know, probably came out of the box being a self-promoter. I want to say two things. One thing is you need to separate accomplishment from success and what you, you know, what your standards of accomplishment are. And um, I just, I really encourage you to kind of unwind those from capitalist ideas of what successful art is. Mm. Just because something is financially viable or financially popular doesn't mean that it's quality art. It's not a meritocracy. It's just not. Those, you know, it could be that you're seeing the tip of the iceberg and someone's been working for 20 years in obscurity. It could be that it's just blind luck that that at that moment, that thing was popular and hit this particular button with these particular bozos. It doesn't mean that your art is not okay or should not be supported just if it's not making you a living. Um, it's a noble thing to want to make a living from your art or to have those kinds of financial or other gains, but just remember, like, I know in America, people are like, oh, that person's a success because they make money for their craft. That's really a capitalist, mm -hmm. capitalist crud. So you get to make your art no matter what. Uh, my friend Beth Pickens, friend to the show, has a book called Make Your Art No Matter What. And I really recommend that you look at that because it really kind of unwinds the capitalism from the art, but also talks about self-promotion. And you honestly... You're making art probably because you want to share your experience or metabolize your experience and then share it with other people. Um, and the only way those people can do that is if you put yourself out there a little bit so they can find it. And it's asking a lot of your readers to not to not only read your work, but also to like go hunt you down and like bang on your door and look through your file cabinet in order to read something you wrote. So please just put it out there for them and be brave so it's easier for them to find it because somebody needs to read your work. And you don't know who they are just now, but somebody needs to read your work. Agreed. Give them a hand. Yeah. Brent, can we talk for a second before we go to dogs? Can we talk briefly about the supply chain thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I could talk I about this all day. I listened to the daily in honor of you. Can you tell us just the, the tiniest gist of what's going on with the supply chain and how it affects small business? And is there anything we can do as consumers yes. who love That's small business? Very generous, Nicole. Thank you for bringing this up, actually. I could talk about this all day. I know it's boring, so I'll keep it short. But um, what's happening with the supply chain right now, there was a really good podcast last week done by The Daily. Highly recommend. Um, and what's happening right now is a lot of things have been affected by both the pandemic, um, by the labor shortage, um, which is not, we're now find ourselves in, also by Trump's horrible China trade agreements 
and um, also the blackouts in China. Uh, you know, a lot of things going on. A lot of things going into this melting pot, which basically means um, a lot of small businesses. I'm gonna say the majority of small businesses who 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 need things from takeout containers for their business, or for me, glass for their candles, or you know, uh, hang tags for their clothing, whatever it is, are waiting for these very precious things to get to them. And a lot of them are being waylaid, let's say, at the port of L.A. or the port in South Carolina or on a train or on a on a semi truck. And because of the labor shortage, they're not they're sitting there for months. We you know, weeks upon weeks, sometimes. I mean, for me, I've waited now. This has been my fourth month of waiting for things. And um, it's really affecting small business. And the sad thing is people like Target, Walmart. Amazon can cut to the front of the line, get their barges unloaded, get their goods to the store so we have things to, to buy. But small businesses can't really afford to do that. So um, what's happening right now is a lot of our supplies of our goods have gone up. So like, for instance, you know, the glass for like things that I use, glass, wax, everything has gone way up. People who run business, when restaurants, um, takeout containers, you know, like I said, um, just cost of um, food supplies, etc. Everything has gone up and it's affecting everybody's bottom line. And a lot of people are raising their prices, which then trickles down to the consumer. So what's happening is, is really, a, it's very stressful for small business because we can't really afford to cut to the front of the line. And a lot of businesses will are feeling the crunch now and will continue to feel the crunch through the holidays and into 2022. And it doesn't look very good. You know, sometimes we can't raise our prices to actually offset what were, what the increases that we have um, been put upon. And it is, it's a, it's a real tight squeeze. And I'm, I feel really scared about small businesses. What we can do to help is, I mean, really to, prioritize shopping from small local businesses as much as possible, um, especially this holiday season. Um, and, you know, if your, you know, local sushi place is charging you more for takeout or more for this or, you know, whatever, just to try to treat them with kindness and to give them a little slack because we're literally doing the best that we can. Ah. Well, people can find, where can people find your candles? Oh, that's very sweet. They can find them at magichourastrology.com. And um, I there's a link there to all my candles. I make 85 different things with my own two hands, every single one made by me and packed and made with love and magic. And I'm really grateful. This is uh, 2022 will be my 10th year in business. And uh, I feel really grateful to still be doing this. This is definitely the most stressful um, time of my business. Usually it's uh, very abundant and very effortless. And just to be transparent with lo- most small businesses are really having a hard time right now. So the most we can support them, highly recommend. Well, we're going to blow you up with love. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to get all those um, Christian candles. Oh, yeah. Long, long story long, Brand got a giant shipment of Christian candle glass at some point that have crosses on them. And 90 sold, boxes. 90 boxes and sold them to benefit some, um, was it queer and trans youth organizations? Yeah. And some like pro, you know, or like pro choice organizations, some abortion access. 
So if you can think of even more things for brand to do, because you still have some of that, right? I still have some, I have some ideas kicking around. I think I'm going to make mm-hmm. some like, you know, not quite gay Jesus, but like some sort of hot pink rainbow situation happening, like Technicolor Dreamcoat type candle. Um, and then maybe like a really goth, like straight up black. Oh, let's get, let's get it that, going. That's a good idea. I mean, and then maybe just like a regular white one for people who are like, I'm a recovering Catholic and needs some healing. Oh yeah. Or I need this for my altar. Yeah. They make great gifts also for your Catholic uh, mom. I sent some, I sent one to my Catholic mom. Little did she know I got it from at gay witches. Okay. I want to talk to you about docs and I want to invite a very special guest. Um, This very special guest is a spouse to the show Sagittarian matters, which you can find on iTunes Kaya Wilson, longtime Oregonian, is a musician and positive reinforcement dog trainer. Kaya has played guitar in the band Team Dresch since 1993, and now she works professionally with dogs at her positive reinforcement dog training business, Dog Speed, which you can find at dogspeed.dog. Kaya Wilson, welcome to Sagittarian Matters Special X-Ray FM Edition. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Uh, Kaya, are you ready to team up with Bran from Magic Hour to yeah. t- do some dog advice? And the first one, first question I have for both of you involves astrology and dogs. Can't wait. Dear Sagittarian Matters, our dogs get really jealous of each other, especially when we are petting them. Is it something about breed? He's a pug. She's an Australian shepherd. Or signs? He is a Taurus. She's an Aries. Is it something else? How do we get them to share affection? Signed, playing hard to pet in North Portland. <laughs> like that. Okay. That so we're talking pug versus Aussie. We're talking Taurus versus Aries. Wait, hmm. well, the pug is an Aries or a Taurus? I need to the clarify. Pug's a Taurus. Okay. The pug's a Taurus. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that's just one step away from a bull. Yeah. Exactly. Literally. Well, Kaya, what do you think? Oh, oh well, I I love the idea that the ram and the and the bull are are sinking in their uh, heels to 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 claim their rightful pet. Uh, but I but I but I do think that this is a, a something else, which is uh, you know jealousy is not uncommon in dogs, um, especially you know you are their primary resource, and they're they're just doing what you know comes natural for them to be like get, no move over this is this is my human. Um, so I do have ideas for how to work with that. Am I to give we them? Should, we need to say that as you're doing this, you're throwing treats to all the dogs. Yeah, it's actually pretty house. great to watch. Yeah. Oh. oh, do you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah we sure do. <laughs> as Kaya's talking, Kaya's arm is flailing out, just chucking tiny treats and tidbits the human across chucking. the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're loving okay, it. so what are your tips? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it, I'm wondering, you know, there's always more questions. I think the thing to ask is, uh, context. This is a big, big question here. What's the context that this is happening? Is it just anytime you're petting either of these dogs, the other has a fit? Is one of the dogs more jealous than the other? Um, is it when big, big excitement moments happen, like you come home from, from a long day or even just from being away for 10 minutes, which is maybe the same thing to the dog? Um, it's not really, but you know, it's so, so is it a big excitement moment? If it's a big excitement moment, that jealousy is most likely occurring when you're petting the dogs after you've been gone and they are hoping that you're going to regurgitate your food, 
that you got on the kill, you know, which is an ancient dog thing. It may be. Wow. It, it's, you know, it's, this is all theory, but it's, it, it could be why they're trying to lick your mouth anyway. <clears throat> so big, big, big excitement. Let's, let's not give affection in those moments. Let's, let's move the dogs along. Let's keep them moving. Let's take them outside. Maybe, um, potty them, g- give them a party. Maybe you can play with them and they like that, you know, like they'll, I'm not sure if they play together, but that'd be great if they do. Um, and then, uh, I would, I would recommend you could even go on a walk with them, get that, ener- get that energy level down, get the excitement down and then try petting them. If they're both equally jealous, I would honestly, I'd kind of pet them and low key pet them on either side of you. I wouldn't not, not a whole lot. Don't give one dog just like all oh, this love while well, the other is just like fuming and it's jealous rage. Um, it, it, and if, you, if one dog is do- is the more, uh, jealous than the other, um, you can use the other dog to predict to that dog that they're going to get affection by petting the dog. Say, let's just say the pug's not as jealous as the Aussie. I'm not trying to say the Aussies are more jealous, but <clears throat> let's just say that that's the scenario. You pet the pug for one second, you pet the pug, you immediately go pet the Aussie. And then, you, and then you're going to take a little break and then you're going to go pet the pug again, pet the Aussie right after, right after. So what you want to form the association for the jealous dog that I'm not, oh, okay, whenever the other dog is getting pet, I'm going to get the pet right away, right after. And so it's like, it's almost like forming that positive, trying to change the emotion around that to being like, oh, I get, I get it afterwards. You can also employ some treats if they're not jealous around, not, if that doesn't make things worse, you can use training as a way of forming some bonding around you. And like I said, if withhold, uh, maybe withhold affection if they're not, you know, if it's a big energy moment and just wait till it calms down and do, do like mellow, just mellow, loving, softness, uh, affection for them. I like withholding affection. I mean, no, I mean, I, no. I, 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 I like the idea that when you walk in the door and the dogs are hyper to see you, yeah. just like ignoring that energy, putting down your stuff, yeah. sitting down letting everybody like not not rewarding the frantic state and getting everybody more hyped because i feel like the door is such a charged area yeah so then if you know i would keep i am gonna say i would keep it moving though i would move i would move them like get their bodies moving you're just you walk in you just you have you're going right for like you put your stuff down and you're going right for the back door or you're going from room to room even just kind of like la-di-da doing your thing waiting for that moment to calm down and you can say hi to them i'm not like a don't be you don't get be cold but like we're going to try to like make sure that they're not in that aroused state of excitement around you which that can make it worse for them uh yeah make their jealousy more amped as well brand do you have any advice for a tourist yeah. pug in an australian aries you know an australian aries does sound like my literal nightmare i'll be honest um with a lot of energy but i will you know they're just naturally gonna have a rub and to expect them to be you know best friends and get along all the time might be unrealistic so you might i would kind of see like maybe the pug needs wants the cozy blanket and needs the extra special treat sometimes right that's a real touristy thing and then the Aussie needs to be with the Chuck at the park for 30 more minutes to get that energy out. And I would kind of like tailor, you know, they might be jealous of each other, but then, you know, you are also knowing like I'm giving some special things that this dog likes when, and and the special times with them. And I have some QT with this other dog, with my other dog in this other way. 
And I think, you know, I think if they're getting their needs met, which might not always be the same need, right? Mm -hmm. Especially for these two types of dogs and these two types of signs. Um, I think, you know, it might kind of diffuse that a little bit. It also might make you feel a little bit less guilty, um, you know, or, you know, wanting them to do the same thing all the time just might not be realistic. So I got to tell you, producer Ponyo has claimed friend to the show, Kaya, spouse to the show, Kaya, as hers. Ponyo's like, this is my feeder. This is who I choose. And so then when Kaya's, you know, biological dogs come up, Ponyo <laughs> is growling them off. She's baring her teeth. She's saying, get away from my feeder. Kaya belongs to me. <laughs> and I don't even know how we deal with that. Yeah, I just kind of, I just try to, I, I'll usually get up. I'll usually like get up away from that and try to give my dog's affection away from that situation. So I'm it, not, it, my absence is discouragement to her. My, my it, removing myself. It's helpful that she's 10 pounds. Yeah. yeah. So you can pick her up and say, that's enough. You're growling. So the petting stopped now because you're growling. That, I think that's another important part is not to keep rewarding the behavior you don't want. Kaya, I don't know if that's in line with your, the wording of that is in line with your training practices, but not while the dog's growling, not continuing to give them the thing that mm -hmm. they want. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I'd like to, sh I, I do, um, I love what you said, Bran, about just get, getting some of their, their needs met and the separate, the, the ways in which every dog is an individual. That is perfect. That's like dog train. That's dog training perfection. So, um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, uh, I do, I do, you know, I don't want to, while I don't want to, like, I might remove myself if dogs are, are, are if somebody's amping up, I also want to try to form like a, a help set them up for success. Okay. Where are the points where they get the most into this jealousy fights, you know, and, and then just, those are the times to really like, huh, how can I, how can I stop this? Well, let's just not give them affection in those moments that they're going to have a hard time with each yeah. other. And they're going to it. And they might have a hard time. Maybe you have to give them like tons of love in a separate room. Yeah. Just one into a room at a time, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think Kaya, you were kind of like the highest value treat. Let's be real. Oh, <laughs> she, she walks into a room with hot dogs in her fanny pack. Yeah. Of course the dog is going to be like, everybody get away. Yeah. This is my hot dog dispenser. Today's episode is brought to you by Jeremiah Perry Hill, Josephine McRobbie, Emily Helmus, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your choice, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com or this just in he's got a venmo it's hell books on venmo that's he double hockey sticks books thank you for your support and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast producer ponyo looks forward to it too don't be scared that's just ponyo's speaking voice okay we have a listener question which i'm bumping up before our next dog question Fran, Kaya, anyone can jump in. Is there a positive affirmation I can bring to my challenging mother's fourth wedding? She's not Catholic and there's no dogs allowed. I would say the serenity prayer, which is grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Your mom is challenging. This is the wedding you maybe you don't want to go to. The courage to change the things I can. I can change my own attitude about it and the wisdom to know the difference. You're not going to change your mom. 
seems like she's been like this a pretty long time. You're going there to be of service to her. You're just trying to show up and feel like you're not being petulant is my guess. I would just say the serenity prayer over and over and over again, and just like make a diagram for yourself that morning before the wedding of like, what's in my control? What's out of my control? There's probably a lot of things out of your circle of control out of your hula hoop that day. Can't do anything about those things. All you can do is make yourself happy. Maybe it means that you are just like mainlining cake in the corner, smoking cigarettes every five minutes, taking breaks, taking breaks. I had to learn that in therapy, how to take breaks, especially around family. When I was challenged, being able to just be like, I'm going to go take five for myself. Just walk away from a conversation you don't want to be in. Keep it light and polite. You don't need to talk about anything important with these people. You don't need to bring like your most fragile, vulnerable, important self to these people. You can just show up to be of service, be light and polite, and then get out of there. Go watch the Golden Girls in your hotel room. Agreed. Great advice, Nicole. Couldn't agree more. Serenity Prayer is a favorite for a reason. It definitely works. It helps refocus you and it helps remind you that the things that you, you know, have no power or control over. I also want to say you, you also don't need to show up in a positive way if you, that's not where you're at. And just you even showing up period is an act of love. And also, you know, for yourself, building in things in the day so when the wedding is happening or the reception is happening, if you get overwhelmed or anxious or, you know, having a hard time coming back to the serenity prayer, maybe finding like if it's outside or somewhere, you go find a tree outside and just like go talk into that tree and tell that tree how pissed you are or whatever it is, or just take a deep breath and have a minute to take a break. Great advice, Nicole. And I would set up a phone call with a friend or a supportive person around that time so they know okay for these this will this whole day i'm on call so i might get a phone call and that person can just reflect back to me like hey you're there because you have a well of compassion for this for your mom and that's it's that all you have to do is show up you don't have to be a certain way you just have to get through today in the most loving way for yourself one more thing i want to add before kaya gives us some positive reinforcement advice about this is Consider beforehand, what are your boundaries? What are you comfortable talking about? What are you not going to, what are you not willing to talk about? Is there anyone there that you're not willing to talk to at all? Uh, How long are you willing to stay? Like you can ask yourself all these things. I feel like the, you know, 20 minutes of boundary work with yourself ahead of time will leave, will help you from feeling muddled. And also you could think COVID wise, what are you willing to be around? What are you not? Doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. You don't have to like make a Royal proclamation, but you get to be like, and I'm going to walk away from this conversation. Nice to see you guys. I have to pee. Or you could do the Romeo and Michelle. I'm so sorry. I cut my foot and my shoes filling up with blood. <laughs> I got to go. Aya, do you have anything to add to this? I just, I, I, I third the motion of uh, the Sinead O'Connor lyric. Uh, God grant me the serenity. Uh, <laughs> I, I heard that in 1989 uh, for the first time on a Sinead O'Connor record. So I just thought it was her lyric. Well, if you want to, you could even say dog, grant me the serenity. And you can imagine the most gentle dog you can think of and just be like, you know, Ponyo, please help me accept the things I cannot change. (laughs) Dear Sagittarian Matters, I need advice on how to be cool, calm, and collected for my puppy, especially since I'm usually at home alone with him and my partner works two restaurant jobs. So my backup slash core pet parent is usually not around. 
My cat and puppy have begun tag teaming me as he's gotten older and it made for some incidents where crashes and barking can be heard during important meetings or while in a large meeting. We live in a one bedroom apartment without a yard or balcony. So getting out of the house to work is pretty limited since he's a baby that needs to go out too often for even a half day at the office. Mm -hmm. Help. How do I either calm him or calm myself in the chaos? P.S. This puppy is also very anti screens, which, hey, I respect. So if I stay looking at a screen too long, like when I'm at work, he has a lot to say about it. Mm. Signed puppy problems. Mm. Yeah. Well, puppy problems. That is puppy problem. Let's see. All right. So, I mean, you know, it's going to come down to ways in which you can incorporate, I think, ways in which you can incorporate more mental stimulation for your puppy particularly stuff maybe that's, you know, you don't have to be actively engaged for some of so that you can do your meetings and do your important work. Um, I would, you know, see what you can do to get some, get some energy out uh, in other ways other than just little walks. I'm not sure what uh, the enrichment kind of exercise program for this pup is, but there's um, great toys out there. There's one called a flirt pole. Uh, I do, I, I do recommend, um, grabbing some fun toys and trying to engage with your puppy before you head into the office. And um, I really recommend teaching your dog a basic game of find it, AKA you just hide treats around maybe your, your apartment for the puppy to find. I'd have to explain it a little more, but if you Google, if you Google DIY puzzles and games to play with my dog, you will find so much lovely information out there um, for just like stuff that you can do. That's not, you don't even have to buy anything usually. So, um, I recommend doing that. And then with the screen, I will say about the screen, I've, you know, this is this, I think that dogs are not that unlike kids and they're like, Hey, you're looking at your screen a lot. You know, mom, dad, uh, can you, uh, can you pay attention to me? So you, you, you know, you can do, I'm doing this, you can do this thing, even what I'm doing here, which is throwing treats around for your puppy to find while you're, while you're doing maybe a meeting where maybe you don't need your hands. Um, and you can also, uh, again, just do that, do, doing that find it uh, work, nose work, it, training them on how to just do the beginner work of finding a treat with their nose is really good mental stimulation. And it gives them something to do for, for a good, good amount of time, usually. Um, how long should you expect a puppy to remain quiet and occupied with something? Like what's reasonable? I mean, puppies need a lot of sleep. So that is in your favor. I'm not sure what age puppy we're talking about, but... Um, I mean, I would, I would give the puppy things to do on the hour, you know, like that's what I would do with a puppy is like, make sure. And, and then if they're, if you've given them a lot of exercise, then they're going to sleep through that for a while. So it really kind of depends on what kind of, what kind of time you have and what kind of activities you're doing with your pup. So, but they I do- also have done a thing where I put some frozen broth in the sure. make little popsicles because yeah. guess what? They're going to lick that for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Or the like enrichment snuffle mat kind of thing. Kind of what you were saying, Kaya. Yeah. But also I would I would kind of look at maybe some there's a puppy happy hour to go to or oh. a puppy daycare to go to so they could yeah. have some other dog socialization during the time where you have some important meetings yeah. accessible to you. Yeah, every, I don't know where this person is, but um, in terms of puppy socialization and what age the puppy is and what kind of 
play style they are, how they are with other dogs. You know, daycares can be really overwhelming. Mm. Um, or they can be the perfect place for an adolescent, especially. Um, it really just depends. And um, and also, you know, research your daycare as well because they're they're you want to make sure they're not using aversives in their train in their in their place. You want to ask them specifically, do you use aversives? And if so, what are they? Um, and I, I will say about puppy socials, that's a great idea if you can find a place. It's tougher now with COVID, but some places are definitely opening up again. Um, people use water bottles. They are using them very frequently, like usually very frequently. And then that causes the dog fear, which to a dog is a big deal. Well, yeah, it just adds up. It just adds up to whatever, you know, anxiety the dog might start be having feelings about. And, and it's also using an aversive, like a, a certain like collars uh, that cause pain or fear again are gonna uh, the, the the effect of that can end up being that they form a negative association with what is whatever is is usually another dog maybe or a person and that if they're getting like a shock or a choke when they see the dog and they're starting to have scared feelings and they're barking at them and then you pull they're gonna have a, a association of like the dog made that happen because oh no that's the order of events went like that, you know? So you actually usually end up with like these side effects using aversives uh, or, you know, tac- methods that are going to cause fear or pain. And I try to eliminate those from my training program. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for all that. Um, we have a, a couple of people that donated that wanted us to, to know it. Um, some people that gave this hour are Holly H., who says she loves Nicole and Bran and Ms. Kitty gave. I have a neighbor and her dog barks all the time. This is me, Nicole, saying this. Mm. Her dog barks all the time. And then the lady just yells, no, no. I can just tell that she's putting her dog in the situation and then yelling at the dog mm. for being in the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that funny? Um, it is funny. I think of the Gary Larson cartoon. What do you think of? Oh, when it, well, I mean, if you just constantly use no, and that's all that you're saying, they're just hearing blah, blah, you know, they're just hearing, <laughs> they're hearing, it doesn't, they're here. It's irrelevant to them at, at some point, that word. Yeah. No, I just feel like anything, unless, unless the dog is very scared of a, an angry tone, in which case then it could mean something. This dog, it feels like just gets negative reinforcement all the time. Negative reinforcement negative reinforcement it doesn't feel like this and nothing's happening except for this dog is being a dog and they're like what are you doing no yeah both of you i'm so so happy that you're both here we have a couple questions uh as we round out the hour if there's anything that feels really important for people to know about either of you please shout it out okay listener question is if Bran were to make candles for dogs, Ooh. what would they make? Is there a candle you'd you'd all suggest for supporting my dog as his attachment anxiety has increased during the pandemic? That seems easier than training. My dog has only one eye, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start at the top. Bran, if you had to make a candle for dogs, what would you would it be just an anti-stink candle? What would it be? I mean, if it's for the dog, okay. I'm going to this pretty literally. If it's for the dog, like, hey, Ponyo, I made you a candle for your special altar by your special bed next to your special people. I would, I mean, it'd have to be kind of stinky. I mean, I don't really like a lot of fragrance in my candles, I'll be honest, but I would make that the stinkiest 
grossest dirty socks and hot dogs and you know uh cheese whiz and whatever i could possibly put in that candle maybe topped with like a little bonito flake because you know i like to top them with herbs and that sounds like it might give a little fishy aroma as it burns nice yeah then the dog's gonna feel really at home yes i mean it's you know i mean pano i might have some might do a few different types of essences like you know the uh, like the essence of like uh kaya's family's farm or an at like a environmental essence of like <laughs> you know her little um travel trailer that she travels with you nicole in, and so she can feel at home and grounded Aww. wherever she is yeah that's well right. so kaya is there a candle you would suggest or anything for supporting a dog as his attachment anxiety has increased during the pandemic yeah, the candle is a just it, it mimics the uh, the hormones of a pregnant f- female dog. Is the candle <laughs> I would suggest? It's called a it's called DAP. It's a, I can't remember what it stands for, but it, you can you can you can look this up. It's you, it's a it's not a candle. It's a plug-in or or sometimes a spray, but I recommend the plug-in. You, you they're often at a vet office. You'll probably see a little plugged-in thing, and it does that is exactly what it does, and it has a calming effect uh, in the room of which you put it for your dog. And it's oh, wow. the hormone of a pregnant it's, dog? You know, I, it, wow. I, I don't think they extract the hormone. It's a, it must be a chemical. Now I want to look it up, but it must be wow. a chemical rep, replicant somehow. Dog, dog extract. Um, yeah. Gosh, I really had a much less dog-centered answer where I just wanted a candle that would make me feel calm and drown out the smell <laughs> of dog hair. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, like a lily a lily candle or something. Kaya, do you have any overarching advice for dogs whose attachment anxiety is kind of out of whack right now after pandemic? Yeah. Also, it's called Adaptil. That's A-D-A-P-T-I-L. And I don't get any money from them, but I do think it's a great um, product. Okay. Okay. What do we do about attachment disorder in dogs post-pandemic? You got to seek professional help from a professional trainer if it's actually if, if it's bordering anything that looks like this if they have the symptoms which are like destructive uh if they're doing any destruction if they're um pacing if they're drooling and and like panting and they or and or they don't eat a thing you put down or they eat it and then you see that they actually then the rest of the time are very anxious clearly or they're making vocalizations obviously is a really obvious sign of distress like long-term vocalizations not just i barked for a little bit because you left and then i stopped barking um and you can how you can deduce whether your dog how if what level of thing is going on for your dog is to, to set up a camera and facetime zoom whatever set up a meeting for yourself call it in on your phone have it look at your put it somewhere your computer or whatever so it can look at the dog and watch what your dog does when you leave for an hour it's fun it's so fun. Go down to, you know, go down, down to a cafe, have a cup of coffee and watch your dog and see what they do. And, and then if it's, if it looks pretty like they're really upset, you would want to contact a positive reinforcement trainer who is actually, I would suggest a certified um, anxiety, like it, a, a, for real anxiety distress specialized. It's a specialized like kind of training and it is really specific. And, you know, I, I can help with it, but it's like, I would actually pass on a, a more clinical case to somebody who's 
really trained in that because uh, it can be it can be really hard, really hard on the person and the dog. It seems so very hard. You know, dogs are just our captives. I know people don't like to hear this. They want to be like, my dog's so happy I'm home because they love me. It's like, well, also, you're the only person they get to see all day. Mm-hmm. So like, they're probably pretty excited that them just staring at the wall is over. Yeah. Um, so you just got to do what you can to make their life comfortable because their entire life is in your hands. Yeah. You may have been like, this is going to look great on Instagram, having this French bulldog or this, you know, whatever this dog is, this Shiba Inu, but then you got to you got to really just give them a good life the best you can. Hey, the person who we gave the serenity prayer to just made a donation at X-Ray FM. Thank you so much. Good luck at your Thank wedding. You. you can bring all of us with you to your wedding and uh we'll we'll all we'll all be there in spirit to, you know, just help remind you of this is temporary. This wedding is not forever. This is a short moment in time. It might be uncomfortable. Just do the best you can and take care of yourself. Um I just want to say any any dog that people got that they thought was cute that their Instagram friends um, goaded them into getting, they st- still gotta you still gotta take care of that dog and try not to have them lose their marbles as they are alone in your house after being right up next to you for the past year and a half. Yes, agreed. And also one thing too, flower essences um, mm. from a magical standpoint and um, you know otherwise are really helpful for separation anxiety. Thank you so much. Well, so Bran, people can find you at magichourastrology.com and online at Magic Hour Astrology. That's right. All right. Kaya Wilson, people can find you at dogspeed.dog. And I can't remember your Instagram is dogspeedtraining. Oh, yes, it is. All right. One, you can find me, Nicole J. Georges, on Instagram, on Twitter. It's also my website. I have a Patreon page. I'm teaching comics classes in December. Sagittarian Matters is my podcast. Relative Fiction is my podcast with OPB. And it has been such a pleasure having Sagittarian Matters on X-Ray FM for this very special Pledge Drive edition. Thanks for having us. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.